Have you ever heard of the self-fulfilling prophecy? It's a phenomenon where an individual or a group's expectations for the behavior of someone else serves to actually bring about that expected behavior. As a dance educator, it means that your expectation of your dancers' behaviors and their abilities can actually bring about that expected behavior, good or bad. What you believe about your dancers' abilities can actually influence whether or not they can do it. So here's one example where it plays out in dance education. There's so many decisions that I usually have to wrestle with if I'm preparing a competition routine. I seem to spend a lot of time deciding which skills to include. And then once I've decided, I often struggle to choose who should perform that skill. Should it be a team trick? It should, should it be a highlight? Who can I count on to perform that trick when the pressure's on? It's one of the bigger decisions I have to make. What I didn't always realize is that my expectation of who could do the skill and who couldn't would actually influence the end result. That's the self-fulfilling prophecy. And as coaches and teachers, it's a scary but very important reality. Our expectations become the athletes the reality. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. Okay, so the self-fulfilling prophecy doesn't operate in a vacuum. You can't just expect your weakest dancer to suddenly have the most beautiful turns. It's, it's not magic, but the effect is real. So say, for example, you want to add a team triple to a routine. The problem is you're not sure if everyone on the team is capable of it. And in fact, you're pretty sure there's one dancer in particular who will likely struggle to be ready for competition. Of course, you want the best team skill you can have, and you don't want one dancer's ability to hold you back. So short of taking her out of the routine, how do you guarantee you get her absolute best performance? Well, it's a little easier than you think. You can use the self-fulfilling prophecy to your advantage. There is scientific evidence that a coach's expectations of an athlete can become reality. It's really that simple. What you expect of your dancer's performance can and will become a reality. It works through a pretty simple process that's part of the self-fulfilling prophecy. So here's how it works. A coach's expectation of an athlete's abilities initiates this series of events that ultimately can cause that expectation to be fulfilled. So let's take my example from before. Imagine you're planning the choreography for your competition routine and you decide on a team triple as your goal. Yet there is one dancer you expect will not be able to get that triple before competition season. So here's how the process works. Step one, the coach develops an expectation for each athlete. When you make the decision to put in the team triple, you also have instincts about each dancer's abilities. There's the dancers you know you can put up front because their technique is superior. You expect them to be consistent and to hit when it counts. Then there's the athletes you're pretty confident will be fine by competition season. And finally, there's that one dancer that in your gut you don't expect to be able to get it. That thought and that thought alone starts this chain reaction. Now, step two of this process where a coach's expectations influence his or her treatment of that athlete. So without even realizing it, 
you now start to treat that dancer differently because of your thought that she will struggle with the skill. And this treatment may be conscious or unconscious. You may not know you're doing it, but you might watch her at practice with your arms folded and project kind of closed body language. Or maybe she nails the turn in practice and you're excited, but you actually are communicating surprise rather than that positive reinforcement. When she struggles and starts to get down on herself, you may think, well, that's what I thought would happen. And then you move on to work on with an, to work with another athlete, communicating that disappointment, whether it's real or not. Again, some of this may be unconscious. You're not trying to let that dancer know you're disappointed, but your body language and your actions may communicate that. Which takes us to step three, where the way the coach treats the athlete communicates really important information to that dancer. The coach is communicating how capable you believe your dancer to be. Your actions and your words, many of them subconscious, start to communicate to your dancer that you don't think she can do it. She will interpret your crossed arms or lack of feedback or surprise at success to mean she's not capable. And that inner dialogue then spirals from there. The dancer will quickly lose confidence in her ability and think something like, a coach knows I can't do it. It's not worth the effort. She'll take me out anyway. Which leads us to the step four, that the athlete's behavior and performance starts to conform to coach's expectations. Sure enough, when the dancer continues to struggle in practice, she is in fact unable to consistently perform the skill and your original expectations are confirmed. She can't do the triple. We have to take her out disappointment reigns, right? It's a vicious, never ending cycle where your expectations are communicated to your athletes and then they process that and they go through the spiral and then they struggle to put in the work they need and they can't do the skill. But here's the good news. This self-fulfilling prophecy works in the positive direction too. So say you have a new boy on the team who hasn't gotten a hip hop trick yet that you intend to compete. Nonetheless, you take him on the varsity team or your elite competition studio team because you believe he'll be able to get it. And the same four-step process happens. Step one, coach develops this expectation. You believe your dancer will be able to do it. Maybe you think he's close, he just needs a little more time, or possibly you saw an incredible work ethic on auditions that makes you think he can handle that higher level company. Whatever the reason, you develop the expectation that he will have the skill within a matter of weeks. That leads to step two, where coach treats the athlete according to that belief. Because you believe he can do it, you may start to give him more attention during practice when he's working on the skill, offering a little more time and advice than you would have otherwise. Maybe you give him an extra high five or when he completes the skill or a simple, you know, you've got this, encouraging his efforts. Maybe he catches you smiling at him when he asks another dancer to spot him during a water break. You know, in a lot of small ways, you start to treat him according to your expectation that he'll be successful soon. That leads to step three, where coach communicates a feeling of ability. If you add up all those small actions, bits of body language, words of encouragement, your dancer soon believes he's capable. Your expectation caused you to treat him according to that expectation of competence and ability. You believe you can do it. Now you communicated that sense of ability to your dancer and he believes he can do it too, which leads to step four where the athlete's performance meets the expectations. Sure enough, a few weeks later, he successfully completes the skill on his own. He's excited. You can even maybe congratulate yourself for having a good eye. You knew he could do it, right? So this self-fulfilling prophecy 
is troubling in some ways because sometimes it's happening unconsciously. You don't really realize how this belief is affecting your body language and your your actual verbal language and your treatment of them. Some of it might be conscious, but a lot of times we're not aware of it. And that's where this kind of spiral can happen. So what I'm hoping is just bringing this to your attention today will help you kind of think about, are there any expectations of your dancer's abilities that are maybe guiding you down the wrong path? Because the reality is your expectations can and will influence your dancer's abilities. Now, of course, it has to be genuine, as I mentioned. Many of the changes in treatment and communication may be unconscious and not purposeful. So you can't just say to yourself, I'm going to believe she'll get that headspring and expect this self-fulfilling prophecy to work magic for your hip hop routine. But if your true feelings are that she won't do it, then that's what's gonna be communicated. So this is really has to be honest at its core. You can't just decide, I'm gonna believe this. If you don't really believe it, your the unconscious communication is still gonna come through. So your power as their coach and their teacher comes from the ability to be aware of your thoughts and beliefs about your athletes. Don't pigeonhole them into certain roles or abilities and expectations. If you deem one dancer as a hard worker and another as a lazy dancer, soon enough your expectations will alter how you treat them in subtle but important ways. Your behavior communicates your thoughts and your beliefs to your dancers, and eventually their behavior will confirm your beliefs and the cycle continues. So take notice of your beliefs about your dancers. Do you hold certain expectations for their behavior and skill level? Why, where do those expectations come from? Are you sure those feelings are really supported? Especially if you've known that athlete for years, make sure your beliefs aren't based on behavior and skill that's now years old and likely outdated. You know, I got pigeonholed early on as being kind of a leggy dancer. I was tall at a young age. And then what happened is people kind of expected that I would do a lot of like the leggy things and I had some decent flexibility. So, you know, if there were, you know, layouts or extensions or, uh, you know, that's, it was always my part. I was always in that highlight. But then I struggled with turns early on. And so I was deemed, you know, I struggled. I could do the, you know, the group stuff, but I was never going to be a highlight. And then I kind of got pigeonholed where I never got any of the turn highlights. And I was in every single leg highlight to the point that I was like, but I've been working on my turns for the last few years. Like this is getting better. But I think in my teacher's heads, I kind of got pigeonholed. as like, I'm the quote leggy one. And that's what I do. And then that, you know, communicated to me a lot of times, I'm like, okay, well, I just have to go do my job, quote, of doing all the leg stuff. But I actually wish I could, I've been working hard on some of the other stuff. Like I've got some better jumps now. I've got like, did you see what I can do? Are you, are you watching me at all? Right. So I think we have to be careful as coaches and teachers that we don't, you know, decide certain dancers have certain skills or that certain dancers have certain behaviors too. Like I said, if you label someone as the lazy dancer, then you start to treat them accordingly. You're sending the message that that's what you think. And then they're like, they're probably just going to confirm that. So it's, it can be a really vicious spiral, but it can be, it can be used for good too. So when you develop an expectation about your dancer's talent, character, or motivation, you are setting the stage for that expectation to become a reality. So just make sure it's the reality you both want to see. I hope you enjoyed this episode and keep sharing your passion for dance with the world. <laughs>